the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Whenever the Lord's name comes off of our lips, it should be to glorify His holy name. Welcome to Core Truth Radio, a radio ministry of Core Church Los Angeles with pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn. Pastor Steve will be teaching the Word of God with truth from the Bible. For more information, go to corechurchla.org. That's corechurchla.org. Now here's Pastor Steve with today's Core Truth. We're picking up again in the study. This is part two. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 20. I entitled this message, Watch What You Say. So here we're going to look at the third and fourth commandments. And notice how the first four commandments have to do with our relationship with God, while the last six commandments have to do with our relationship with one another. So let's read Exodus chapter 20, verse 7 says again, you shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not leave him unpunished who takes his name in vain. Yes, we are not to take the name of the Lord our God in vain. But what does that even mean exactly? It means not to use God's name in a vain way. Vain in this context means using God's name in an empty, idle, frivolous, and insincere way. But some might say, well, what does that even mean? It means that our God is holy and his name should never be used or spoken thoughtlessly. It should never be misused. It should never be a filler word. It should never be swore to falsely. Like some people will say when they're lying, I swear to God, man. It's like, don't do that. Even when you're being honest, you don't swear by the name of the Lord God. The Bible says in Leviticus 19.2, and you shall not swear falsely by my name. So as to profane the name of your God, I am the Lord. Basically, You know, whenever we use the name of the Lord, it should always be used with a heartfelt sincerity, like when we're worshiping him. Leviticus 22, 32 says, and you shall not profane my holy name, but I will be sanctified among the sons of Israel. I am the Lord who sanctifies you. You know, when we have worship here, and we have the whole team up here, and we're singing these songs. This is not like a, just a buffer zone. I encourage you that you might, you know, try to get here a little early to get the whole worship time, because what the worship is trying to say is like Irene over here on the keyboard. She's like, what she's saying is like, will you come and join me? Because we're going to go to daddy's house, and we're going to worship him. And we're going to sit in his family room, and we're just going to worship him. That's what the whole worship team here comes for. It's like, hey, come join us. 
We're going to go worship. That's why we lower the lights during our worship time. Let's just focus on the Lord here. Let's close our eyes. Let's raise up our hands. Why, why do some people raise their hands? I know some people think, ah, what's with those crazy Christians that are raising their hands? And this looks weird. It's like, hold on. Raising your hands is a universal sign of surrender. It's like, I surrender to you. Amen. And I worship you. I surrender and I worship. And so it's like we need to honor the Lord our God. We need to worship him. Let's not forget when the Hebrew scholars, when they were copying the scriptures, they didn't have copy machines back then. So when they wanted to copy another scroll of the book, they would meticulously, meticulously, this is what I can commend the Jewish Hebrew scholars for this. They would take their time. They would have every single word. That's why when they found the Dead Sea Scrolls, that's when they found the scrolls and they unrolled them, you know, in Qumran. You know, they unrolled them and it's like, it's exactly what we have. It's like a 99.9% accuracy rate for the Bible that we hold today. Why? Because the Hebrew scholars would take their time. And when they got to the name of God, they would put the pen down. They would get up and they would go wash themselves and come back just to write his name. That's the respect that they had for the name of God. And it's still like that today. I remember when me and my son were in Jerusalem and uh, we were down by the welling wall and I was talking to these two young rabbis that were sent, you know, from Philly of all places. They lived in Philly. I'm like, hey, I've been to Philly multiple times. And, you know, we're talking and I started sharing about Christ being the true Messiah, the Savior. And this other older rabbi came over because he seen that I was proselytizing these two young guys. And, and all of a sudden he comes over and he just starts yelling at me. And I said, you you know, I go, well, listen, you know, he goes like, how can God be, you know, more than one? You're saying Jesus was God. That's a, you're blaspheming. And I'm like, no, listen, God was more than one. And I quoted to him Deuteronomy 6, 4, you know, hear, O Israel, the Lord Yahweh is God. He's Elohim. And I said, Yahweh, he went off the hook. He starts dropping F-bombs on me. He's like cursing at me. And these two guys that I'm witnessing to, they're just like looking at their mentor here. And he's like got veins popping out of his neck. I mean, he's completely losing it. And But I was just sharing with them. And it was so cool because that night before I couldn't sleep. And my son was in the room with me. So I went into the bathroom at like two o'clock in the morning. And I was reading through Leviticus and Deuteronomy. And I was just, you know, like just reading. And then here I am the next day with this main rabbi, with these two young rabbis. And I was just going toe to toe with them, you know, making a case that the Christ is the Messiah. Moses spoke of this. And it's just like, it was just amazing how the Lord put all that together. You use the name of the Lord. You use it in a holy manner. The The point is this, his name is above all names. He is holy. His name should be honored and sacred to us as believers. It's good to note that when Jesus was teaching us how to pray in the Sermon on the Mount, remember in chapter six, he started with our father who art in heaven. What's the next thing he said? Hallowed be thy name. That's right. Well, what does that word hallowed mean? It means in the original Greek language to render, to set apart, to regard as holy. And though we are his children and he is our Abba, he's our father, he's our daddy, he's our papa, he is still the most high God. 
He is the King of kings. He is the Lord of lords. He is the creator of all things that are seen and unseen. And we need to always have the utmost honor for our glorious and gracious God. The Bible's amen. The Bible says in Psalm 34, 3, Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. Psalm 100 verse 4 says, Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. Give thanks to him and bless his name. Psalm 111 verse 9 says, He has sent redemption to his people. He has ordained his covenant forever. Holy and awesome is his name. Psalm 148 verse 13 says, Let them praise the name of the Lord, for his name alone is exalted, for his glory is above the earth and heaven itself. Yes, whenever the Lord's name comes off of our lips, it should be to glorify his holy name. Yet, as always, leave it to the enemy, that's the devil, to blaspheme God's name. Isn't it amazing how when someone smashes their finger, they don't say, boom, oh, Buddha. They just don't do that. They don't curse Islam. It's always the name of the Lord that gets cursed. I play basketball a lot, and there's times that people miss shots that they should make. And they'll say, oh, God, blank. You know, it's like, and I'll tell them every time. Um, we're running back to the other end, you know. And it's just like, I, hey, God had nothing to do with that. You missed it all on your own. <laughs> I go, don't use the name of the Lord God in vain because God will not leave you unpunished. That is the third commandment. Yes, many times people will curse God's name by using it in vain. And they will do it so frequently that it just becomes habitual to them. I wonder if maybe some of us are guilty of using his name in vain. And some say, oh, you know, well, wait a minute. You know, it's like, I, I, I'm not serious about it. It's just an expression that I use. I'm not meaning to curse God. Well, guess what? You're cursing God. This is why God has given us his word. And now you know. For God takes it very serious on how his name is used. God is holy, and those who worship him must recognize that, that he is holy. But God takes keeping his name holy and pure very serious. Look at the punishment that was dealt out in the Old Testament for anyone that cursed God's name. Leviticus 24, 16 says, Moreover, the one who blasphemes the name of the Lord shall surely be put to death. Whoa! It says, the whole congregation shall certainly stone him and the alien as well as the native. Then when he blasphemes my name, you shall be put to death. Wow. It's like if that was still happening today, we'd have a lot smaller population in the world today. Understand, the bottom line is this. Our name stands for our character. Our name stands for our reputation. It's who we are. How much more do you think God cares about his character and his reputation? He again is holy. He is righteous. And one day, all who curse the name of God will stand before him. And they will all fall on their face before him. They will fall at his feet and they will worship him. But at that point, it's too late for those people. See, when we get to heaven, we're going to say, Praise Jesus. 
what a glorious day. And I mean, we're going to be able to march right into heaven. Jesus is going to look at us and say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Come into the joy of the Lord. But the non-believer, they will confess it too. But they will confess it by falling at his feet. And they will say, Jesus is Lord. Like he is Lord. He was. I was such a fool. I was an idiot. I blasphemed him. And they'll confess that he's Lord right before they are sent to an everlasting punishment in hell. But getting back to the third commandment, to not use the name of the Lord in vain is to not use his name in an insincere way. To not use it in any kind of vulgar language. To not use it while swearing on some kind of an oath or a promise or any other way that would cheapen the name of our Lord. Which brings up our second point, keeping the Sabbath. Let's read verse 8 again here in chapter 20 of Exodus. It says, remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. Six days you shall labor and do all your work again, he says. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall not do any work. You, your son, your daughter, your male, your female servant, your cattle, your sojourner that stays with you. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth and the sea and all that's in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. All right. Well, know this. What does it all mean? What does all that mean? Well, certainly, this is probably the most controversial commandment out of all the commandments because out of the Ten Commandments, this is the one that's not carried over the same exact way that the Jews observed this commandment in the New Testament. But let me point out two quick facts here. Number one, first, let's understand the very definition of the very word Sabbath itself. The word Sabbath in the Hebrew means to stop or cease. Man was to not work seven days straight. We were to take a rest from work, just like God did creating the universe as described in Genesis 2.2. Jesus defined the Sabbath's purpose in Mark 2.27. Jesus said, the Sabbath was made for man and not man for the Sabbath, meaning the Sabbath was given to us by God as a blessing to us, not to hold us in bondage. Okay, so I remember this one time, I was doing a side job with a friend of mine. This is way back, me and my wife had just got married, and we took on a big side job on a Saturday, so we couldn't get it done. I mean, this job ended up being way bigger than what we anticipated. And so I remember going back on Sunday and working all day on Sunday, then getting up and going back to work on Monday. And I just remember, I will never do that again, ever. It's like, oh my goodness. It was like something was just completely wrong with it. And when you don't have a day off, it's like God made the Sabbath for us. It wasn't for us to serve the Sabbath as a slave. It was for the Sabbath to be a blessing for you and me. We were to rest from work. You have six days of work, then you rest. And number two, the Bible never states that the Sabbath could only be observed on Saturday. Now, the Jews 
observe the Sabbath on Saturday. But the Bible doesn't say it has to be Saturday. Yes, God rested on the seventh day of creation. But did he start on a Tuesday? Did he start on Thursday? I mean, we don't, we're not told what day it was. It's six days of work, then rest. And like Jesus said, the Sabbath was made to give us rest. And in Deuteronomy chapter 5, Moses relates the deliverance from Egypt and their slavery filled with hard work to now having rest. And for us in the New Testament, there are two aspects. So grab these two. One is to have a day of rest. And number two is to honor and worship the Lord. Those are the two things we want to accomplish on our Sabbath. For us as believers, the Sabbath can be any day without work. But as far as the worship aspect of the Sabbath, that actually has been way expanded from Jewish tradition for us as Christians. For we meet with the Lord to worship him on Sunday, yes, the first day of the week, but we also worship him on a daily basis. We have this 24-7 relationship with Christ. But why do we meet on the first day of the week? See, the first day of the week is considered Sunday. We look at it in the United States as the first day of the week is Monday. But no, the first day of the week in the Bible is Sunday. Okay, so why did we start meeting and worshiping on a Sunday? And let's remember who was meeting on Sunday to start worshiping? It was Jews. Because all the disciples of Jesus were Jews. All the early believers were Jews. So they started meeting on Sunday, the first day of the week. Why? John 20 verse 19 says, When therefore it was evening on the first day of the week, Sunday, after the Sabbath, when the doors were closed, when the disciples were in fear of the Jews. Why? Because they just crucified Jesus. Jesus came and stood in their midst. And he said to them, Peace be with you. So here, the first day, the resurrection Sunday, when Jesus rose from the dead, the disciples were hiding, had the doors closed, and Jesus appeared in the room on that Sunday and said, peace be with you. Now, peace and rest were a celebration of our Lord's resurrection. And according to Acts 20, verse 7, and 1 Corinthians 16, 2, all the New Testament believers would meet on the first day of the week, again, which is Sunday. This is Jews and Gentiles that made up the new church that began at the beginning on Christ's resurrection day. Plus, let's remember the day of Pentecost when the Holy Spirit came and filled all believers with the power of God. It said that also came on a Sunday because Pentecost means 50. And it was 50 days after the Sabbath day that Jesus was crucified that that happened. So it it's seven Sabbaths, which is 49 days plus one day. That's 50 days after that Sabbath, which was on a Sunday. It's recorded back in Leviticus 23:16 that after they entered the promised land, 50 days later, they were to present a new grain offering to the Lord. Now, some Bible commentators feel that that was a picture of the church because that's when God sent the Holy Spirit on the church. Yet, there are those who today say, no, we have to keep the Sabbath day on Saturday only. Like, it has to be Saturday or it's not the Sabbath. But the Bible teaches different than that. Colossians 2.16 says, therefore, let no one act as your judge in regard to food, drink, or in respect of a festival, a new moon, or the Sabbath day. Things which are a mere shadow of what is to come, but the substance belongs to Christ. 
So the criteria should be keep the Sabbath, meaning a day of rest, not what day it lands on. The criteria is keep the Sabbath, keep the Sabbath day holy. It doesn't matter if it's Saturday or Sunday. It might be Wednesday for some people, but keep that day holy as unto the Lord. Yes, the principle is clear here. The substance is Christ. He's the bottom line. The New Testament believers set apart a day of rest and worship the Lord, and it was on Sunday, the first day of the week, the day that Jesus Christ resurrected. It doesn't matter what day it is. What matters is you have that day. But in reality, for us as believers, again, every day is the Sabbath day to worship the Lord. Every day. Romans 14, 6 says, when you observe a day, you do it as unto the Lord. The Jews had lost sight of what the Sabbath really was all about, a day of rest and a day to worship. Again, Jesus reminded them in Mark 2, 27, the Sabbath was made for a man, not man for the Sabbath. Consequently, the Son of Man is the Lord even of the Sabbath. He had to tell them like, look, I rule over the Sabbath. Remember how they would just get on him? He would do a healing. He would would raise someone up that was lame and they would be walking and he would do it on the Sabbath. There was someone that was blind and he healed them of their blindness and they were going nuts because he healed them on the Sabbath. He goes, the Sabbath is not, the Sabbath, we're not to serve the Sabbath. The Sabbath is for us. Is it not good? Jesus told those people. He would say, you religious leaders, if you got up in the morning and your donkey fell into a hole and he was going to get choked out and die because he fell into this hole, this tweak in his neck, would you not pull him out? Of course you would pull him out on the Sabbath day. Is it not good for me to heal a man that was born blind or born lame? See, they completely lost track of the importance of the Sabbath and what it actually meant. Just like today, people will get up in arms and they'll say, you Gentiles, you live in sin because you're not worshiping on Saturday. No, we're celebrating the Sabbath and we're honoring God and we are worshiping him. We're just doing the Sabbath on a different day. Yet they totally miss what God had intended, that a day would be set apart as a day of rest and worshiping him freely. Ultimately, the true believer does this more frequently as, again, we choose in this relationship with God that he has desired for us to meet with him every day. And that's why every believer every day should have a moment before they get on with their day and sitting down with their Bible and a cup of coffee and having some time with the Lord every day before your day gets going. But let me ask you, do you have that type of relationship with God? I mean, do you have that type? Because again, it's not about religion. It's about a relationship Galatians 4, 6 says, because you are sons and daughters, God has sent forth his spirit of his son, you know, uh, into our hearts crying. We can cry out to him now, Abba, Father, or Papa, Papa. Therefore, you are no longer a slave, but you're a son. You're a daughter. And if you're a son and a daughter, you're an heir through Christ. Meaning, we are joint heirs with Christ. Meaning, God is going to share all of this kingdom with us when we get to heaven because we are a son and a daughter and that's the relationship that God wants with us it's not based on oh geez oh my goodness you're not you're not worshiping on Saturday no 
our Sabbath is Sunday, but my Sabbath could be tomorrow morning too. It could be Tuesday morning. It could be Wednesday. It could be any day. The point is, are you having a time that you set apart to worship the Lord? So where are you with all of that here today? Are you having that relationship, that that quality time? Are you having that experience? And if not, why not? Are you are you sitting before him? Are you expecting? Are you anticipating? You know, God speaking to you through His Word. And maybe, just maybe, you know, we're in a place and position where we feel a little distance from God. And if you feel distance from God, it, there's a reason for that. And the reason is, it could be a few different things. It could be like, well. I've allowed sin in my life and I've got some things that are going on that I, sh- I know I shouldn't be doing. And it's like that causes a separation. But God doesn't want that. Man, he wants to have a closeness with us. He wants to have that friendship with us. He wants to have that fellowship with us. Amen. Thanks for joining us for Core Truth Radio. You've been listening to pastor and Bible teacher Steve Wilburn of Core Church Los Angeles. If you'd like to hear more messages by Pastor Steve, download the Core Church Los Angeles free app. Core Truth is sponsored by and is a listener-supported outreach of Core Church LA. If you've been blessed by this program, consider supporting our radio ministry by texting Core Church LA, all one word, to 77977. You can also give via our app and online at corechurchla.org. Or you can mail your support to P.O. Box 34. 34- 789 Los Angeles, California 90034 Three-star general Michael J. Flynn Head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency Knew all the government's dirty secrets He was one of the most respected generals in the military Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to He understood its funding He ordered the first audit Of the use of contractors This set off alarm bells The explosive new documentary Flynn Deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.